welcome to Marble Moe's podcast, um, Marble Moe's adventure podcast. I am coming to you live from the Marble Gallery in Marble, Colorado, and today is pretty cool. It's the full moon, the first full moon of 2021, and uh, I'm sitting here hanging out with my dad who built this building and the house behind it and has been in Marble for 40... 45 years, yeah, give or take, since 1976. I don't feel like doing the math right now. <laughs> so this is my dad, Mario, Mario Villalobos. Hello. <clears throat> and we're going to talk a little bit about how he came to Marvel and what got him to stay and how he built the life that he has here in this amazing little place we call home. Alright. So, 1976. Yeah, 1976. A few years ago. Yep. I was, uh, I was 18. <clears throat> I, uh, was in Arizona. I bought a, a pickup truck, a three-quarter ton pickup truck, and, uh, built a homemade camper onto it, out of wood. And uh, I decided I'm gonna go out to uh, Alaska. I had a buddy out there who, uh, my age, and uh, he said, hey, come on out to Alaska. I didn't do very well around a lot of people. I was, I was a loner. Even when I was in Detroit as a kid, I was always, you know, I was just alone. And being alone in a city like that wasn't, wasn't the best idea, but that's just who I was. I, I was a loner. So when I got sent to Arizona, I, I had a great time over there. I mean, I, uh, my bedroom, for instance, here I am a city boy, and my bedroom was in a garage that had a, that was made a block, you know, a center block. And all it had was a roof, had a, the roof trusses, and then metal on top of that. So when the rains, which it didn't rain very often, but when they did, it was louder than a son of a gun. I loved it. And the dust storms would hit, and the dust would blow in there. And like I said, I'm from the city, and uh, inside this garage, you know, it was never sealed off very well from the elements, outside elements. So I was living with snakes, spiders, scorpions, rats, mice, you know, uh, every night. I'd have to lift my covers off and shake them up off my mattress to make sure there were no scorpions there. I've been stung like 11 times well, in the six years that I lived in Arizona. And I got kind of used to the sting, so when it did, the last one, all it did was swelled up and uh, I didn't even know I got stung until I turned down the light and I saw the scorpion running off. And my arm, my hand swelled up and that was it, but it didn't hurt. But anyways, like I said, a city boy living in that kind of environment just all of a sudden and I tell you what it was like the best thing ever I just absolutely loved it <clears throat> well when I turned 18 it was time for me to leave be out on my own and a buddy of mine called our house and uh, I talked to him he said yeah you know at the end of the Alaskan pipeline we're working on him and his dad were working on it and he was a welder's helper I said, oh yeah, why don't you come out to Alaska, you know, you'll love it out here. <clears throat> In the meantime, this family, the Beavis family, 
they were moving up here to Marble, Colorado. And they told me it was all desert, just like down here in Arizona. You'll, you'll like it. And I said, well, you know, I'm 18. If I don't like it, I can move on. And, you know, so it was agreed. So I, I went and helped them, and I moved up here. And they brought me up here at night when I couldn't see anything. What was the last town you saw? Grand Junction was the last time that I saw in the daylight. In the daylight, yeah. So Grand Junction. Grand Junction, yeah. Okay. And uh, we could have made it up here easily, but I think that uh, Dave Bemis, he knew me, and he knew what I was about. He was, he was used to working with them. Trouble. Trouble kids. Um, he was a boy's home. Yeah, he was used to Principal, working. Principal, right? That's what he did. He, he, was, he worked with uh, trouble. Trouble teenagers and yeah. kids. And don't get me wrong, I was never a trouble. I just, in Detroit, I just uh, didn't like to be picked on. So, to the point where I would fight back until I was unconscious. And I, I'll never forget this. I had a learning disability. Couldn't read, write, spell. Couldn't even write my own name at 12 years old. <clears throat> couldn't spell my own name. But I remember the last time I got the crap beat out of me by these, I went, I would shine shoes at the bars around our neighborhood. I had like eight or nine bars that I would hit two or three times a day. And this is in Detroit? In Detroit, yeah. And uh, well, the last time I was walking across the railroad tracks and our railroad track, there were like eight or nine in a row. It was a city railroad track. And we weren't too very far from well, these boys attacked me, and uh, they were they were boys. They were young men. I was 12, and they were like 17, 16, 17 year old. And there were three of them, and uh, I usually like to say five because it sounds better. But there were three of them. And, uh, so anyway, they attacked me, and um, they busted my bike up, busted my shoe shine box, and and I had five bucks. I made five bucks that day, and I was man, I was rich. And this was you know 70 or 19. Uh, 68, 69, 69, I think it was. So anyways, another friend of mine found me on the track and, and uh, the, some of the guys who worked on the trains, they came running to my rescue and I didn't, I didn't know who they were, but they heard, they saw what was going on and they came from the rape, from the trains and they stopped those boys from killing, you. killing me, basically. Cause that's what I was, I was. You weren't going to give up your five dollars no, to anybody. I didn't, I didn't give it up very easy, so I was busted up. I had blood coming out my nose, my ears, and corner of my eyes, and you know, not to mention that uh, I felt like I had some broken rib, but it didn't. So, anyways, uh, the cops show up to the house, and they're just the local boys, you know, in our neighborhood, and they tell my mom and dad, and I'm standing behind my mom and dad, and the cops tell them. Mr. Villalobos, if you don't get Mario out of here, by the, right now, by the time he's going to be dead before he's 15. And I, and I heard him, he goes, do you understand me? Mario is going to be dead by the time he's fit, before he reaches 15. Because he doesn't know when to quit. And then, uh, you know, I couldn't read, and I couldn't write and all that other stuff, but I could count. Yeah. And I said, wait a minute, I'm 12 years old. 12, 13, 14, 15. What the hell? I'm not going to die in three years. You know, I, mean, I knew how to count, but I didn't know, you know. You didn't so, know. So that kind of hit me like, what the heck? So anyways, I got sent to Arizona. I'm kind of telling the story a little backwards. 
but that's what happened. And anyways, I, I got, I was on my way to Alaska and I got here and I had a pickup truck. I had this old guitar and uh, I had like 400 bucks cash on me. I figured I could work anywhere along the way if I needed money. I was real strong, I was very strong. Not too bright, but I was strong and I knew I could do any you kind could, of labor work. Yeah, labor. Yeah. You were very good at labor. I was, yeah, I was. You could get behind a shovel and do 20 man's yeah, work, work in a day. day. Yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> I was taught, I was taught how to be a, a hard worker by one guy, uh, Bob Bushon. He was a rancher boss and uh, he was everybody you know a lot of people thought he was mean he was mean but I attribute my work, work ethics to him because he taught me how to how to hone those skills and just focus how, you know, just how to you know don't complain just do your job if you get hired for a job if you don't like it quit yeah. but if you if you get hired for a job you do that job and he taught me that he taught me that lesson you don't complain, you just, you got two hands, use them. You know? mm -hmm. So that's where I learned how to work is from him. So I figured I could do anything, I could work anyplace. But anyways, we got here the next morning, it was in, uh, I, I guess it was uh, first early September when I got here. <clears throat> the school had already started in Carbondale. It was the new building at that time. But anyways, I got here and I woke up the next morning and I looked outside. <laughs> And cowboy boots, cowboy hats, I went straight up Raspberry Mountain. I didn't know what trails were. I just went straight up. It took me like three hours to get all the way to the top of Raspberry. I had my sandwich up there, me and Dennis Bemis. We had our sandwich and our lunch. And I, when I looked around from that top of that peak, which, you know, compared to some of these, is a very high. I thought I said, I'm gonna stay. That, that's what made me decide to stay. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so that you know that that was a, that was why I decided to say it. this this country here was like what I would see on Disney movies, and I always wanted to live in a Disney movie, in the in the forest, in yeah, the mountain. I didn't know really mountains. All I knew was pine trees. I wanted to live where they had pine trees, you know, where they had bears, you know, wildlife. Do my thing and leave me alone. Don't bother me. I won't bother you. And how many residents were in Marble at 1976? Oh, gosh, <laughs> you know, like, I, I always say there was like 16, and eight of them hated the other eight. <laughs> you know, and that's just the way it was. And then the, the, the summertime residents would come in, and they would ask me, Mario, who's on whose side? <laughs> so they would end up in the summertime. The residents would go, you know, be more people. But I tell you what about those days, uh, it was very quiet and uh, it, you know, there was hardly anybody going down the road. Anyway. But the thing about those days is whenever, you know, the first summer, 77, summer of 77, we had like four fires because it was dry. It only snowed and that was another thing. 76, winter of 76, 77, it only snowed like 10 inches. Holy we only got like 10 inches of snow, and I wanted to see the snow. And everybody would say, every time it starts snowing a little bit, 
I'd run out the door and say, yeah, and then we'd only get like a half inch to an inch. And I thought these people, because everybody kept telling me, oh yeah, yeah we get tons of snow, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna love it, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. And that year we didn't get, we didn't get nothing, man. And, uh, so we ended up with the forest fires, we had four of them. And there was no, there was, yeah, there was a volunteer deal, and we had a truck, and, but it was just ever all the, all the local residents, we'd all go up and mad, you know, it was chaos, but we put the fire, and I, I don't know how any of us didn't die. <laughs> it was not organized, we didn't know what we were doing, we were just up there putting out the fire. We had no idea what we were doing. And you, I think about a couple of those, and I don't see how we didn't get cooked, you know. Wow, where were they? Where were they located in the uh, valley? One was here in town. It was at a, oh, John Darian's wife. I can't think of her name now. Uh, she she had a fire in her in her barn or garage. Oh dear. And I heard that. I remember somebody told me who started it, and, it, and I just found this out. It was an accident. They were trying to start a lawnmower or something, and it was dry out, and it started to fire, and it almost burned her house down. But the whole town came together. And we put the fire out, and no, I mean, after it burnt. Right. We stopped anything else. And then we had a fire in the ski area, and these are just the two that I remember. And another fire over on the. Serpentine? By the lake, uh, what's the name of it? Lily Lake. Lily Lake? Yeah. And that one was, oh, that was funny. The guys were driving up that road, and it was rough. And I remember the guys in front of us, we were in the Jeeps, in the open Jeeps, and the guys in front of us, Bouncing. I mean, the guy in the center was bouncing from one side of the pickup to the other, and it just. And, but it, it was to see it was just like watching a co uh, cartoon. Oh my god! As the road was rough, and everybody hauled ass to every place we went. We and everybody was just going really fast. If there was a fire, or if there was somebody off the road, every, how people didn't die on the way up to the rescue? Just <laughs> me away. I mean, yeah. I remember Glenn was driving one time, and, and he was driving like a bat out of hell. And, and I was hanging on for dear life on the had the open Jeep. And the says, hang on. I said, don't worry. If I go, this Jeep goes with me. I'm not going to, you know. I'm, I'm gonna, not letting go. Yeah, I'm not letting go. But anyways, it was uh, it was quite the time. But the thing about those times, you know, people hated each other. But after the fires and stuff, or after a... a a rescue because people would go off the road on the court on the Lake King Road and the Quarry Road. The you know, Quarry Road was real dangerous back then. It was always at an angle. But after that, you know, everybody would go to the rescue or go to a fire and we'd fight it as a community, you know, like, you know yeah. just everybody. And then after that, everybody we'd have a big old potluck. And Aww. everybody just got along great, you know. Of course right after the potluck <laughs> Fire, back to know. back to normal stance. Back to normal, yeah. Of you know them. Sorry, bastard. <laughs> but they always come together. But yeah, emergencies. If anybody needed anything, everybody was always there for each other. How about the time when I? Um, this is fast forwarding uh, about ten years. I was four or five, and I disappeared from my mom. Oh. And. Yeah. I think there were probably about 20 people in town at that time, but yeah. I disappeared and you were at the coal mine yeah. or the quarry? No, I think the I coal mine. Know, no, I was, a uh, yeah, the coal mine, my coal mine days were gone before you got here. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so you so were I was, somewhere. I was work, no, I was working over in Aspen. 
Okay. And I was a laborer over there, and I come home, and all these people, there must have been 30, because there was more than just a barber community looking for you. It was, you know, they got some other folks in here looking for you. So I pulled into town, and I get the, by the general store, and people are like, Mario, hey, Mario. And I'm like, oh, how you doing? <laughs> everybody, yeah, some hero, you know, oh, yeah, getting a hero's welcome home from work. And then finally, Grandma June, Grandma June Blue comes up to me. We found her. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? We found Monique. And I hauled ass to the house. Boom, boy. And I said, What's wrong with Monique? And mom said, We couldn't find her. I couldn't find her anyplace. And I'm like, What do you mean you couldn't find her? How could you lose her? She was little. And, uh, and I think it was Grandma June who found you. You were laying yep. in our waterbed. We had a waterbed, didn't have no baffles. And you just covered yourself up, sank into the waterbed, <laughs> and nobody knew you were under the cover sleeping. And uh, and that's where you were at. You did that twice. I don't remember the second time, but I remember the first time. You did that to it, but the second time we didn't call anybody. Yeah. We found you in the waterbed sleeping. You found me. Yeah. You got but you. yeah, mom, I come home and mom's looking all over for you, and I'm like, oh, did you check the waterbed? She goes, oh. So she goes over there, we lift the cover up, and there you were, <laughs> sleeping your ass out. Yes. Scared everybody. I still love to sleep in my covers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, those were the days. Marble, marble times. Yeah. So you stayed in Marble. You met mom here in Marble. Yeah, we were at a. The Joneses always put on a, a little dance out there in front of the general store. And uh, I was out there and. Uh, I had my moccasins on. I was cool, man. I was, I was a cool-looking guy. And uh, June Blue, oh, your mom and her family, they came up. They from Golden. Up. They're from yeah, Golden. they're from Golden, and they came up to get a headstone for your grandma's mother, mm -hmm. your mom's great-grandma. She died of cancer. So they come into town. They couldn't find it. For, I forget what the holiday was, but it was, everything, you know, there was everything was booked in Glenwood Cardinal. All the way up, and uh, so they couldn't find a room. And it was late at night, so uh, they decided they had met June one time. Uh, not not your grandpa and your grandma, but your great grandma had met June. June before. June blue. June blue before. And uh, so they knew. Okay, well we'll just go check with June. So they went and talked, and it was late. And June, she's just such a lovely woman. She, uh, yeah, come on in and just crash right here on the couch and on the floor. So she throws them down there. So they slept there. And then the next night, we were at, there was a street dance. And uh, so I didn't know what was going on. I was standing out there on the porch, you know, being the, you know, who I was. Being a 19 year old? No, no. 18? I was, I was older than that. 21. No, you were 20, weren't you? Uh, when you 22. met mom, 22? So anyways, I am maybe 23, 22, something like that. But anyways, I was a, yeah, I was a coal miner then. A rich coal miner, I might add. Yeah. They, wasn't paid, they paid the best. But anyways, I, uh, I was standing there and, and June comes up to me. She had this family behind her. And your, your mom was standing there behind them. And she goes, Mario? I said, yes. June, how are you? She goes, I want you to introduce you to somebody. And I said, okay. And she looked at your grandma and your grandpa and she says, 
Now Mario's the only man I trust in this town. With, I don't trust anybody else, I trust Mario. So your daughter will be fine with him. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean her daughter will be fine with him? And uh, so anyways, that's how we hooked up. And two years later, two and a half years later, we got married. Wow. But we didn't date right away. You didn't date right away because mom was young. Well, not only that, but I, she was in gold. Golden. But I happened to go there one one uh, weekend. I don't know. I was off work, and I went there, and I had this other, and I pulled into Golden, Golden, Colorado, and I had this other girl's phone number, so I gave her a call first, and uh, I went to the, you know, they had phone booths. Phone booth, yeah, the phone booth. So I went to a phone booth, and I called this girl, and she wasn't home, and as I was getting ready to leave, I saw Christy Ramstead. Oh, I'll give this little turd a call. So I called her, and she was just two blocks away. She came, <laughs> your mom barefooted came running up to me. You know, yeah, just a hillbilly. Yeah. She just came running down the road barefooted yeah, to you. Her, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That was, we hooked up, and uh, that, was, uh, that was it. That's funny. So next thing we know, a year later, we had four girls. <laughs> <laughs> a year later, you have four girls. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. Right, you know, fast forward yeah. quite a few years, and there's four daughters. Yeah. I was the so first we one. Life. You know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't. You know, some people who don't know us think that, oh yeah, you were given everything. You were just, you, know, you just ended up here and had everything. Hell no, we. I was a coal miner, and uh, we lived in a cabin, in Richard Wells' cabin, and it was just one. It's like just a, half the size that it is now. And modular almost. Yeah. Huh? Was no, it like a... No, no, I know it was a cabin, but it was, cabin, it was yeah. small. It was just, yeah, two, two bedrooms, a kitchen area that was combined with the, with the dining area. Or, yeah, with the, like living, living room. room. Yeah. So there was no bathroom, but we had an outhouse. And they had running water and just a kitchen sink. A stove and a refrigerator. And, uh, and I would shower at the coal line. And mom would go with Grandma June's to shower. So later on, I put the addition on it with the bathroom. But yeah, we, you know, it, it was, uh, we, we lived a rugged life. We, you would go collect firewood up in the mountains. Oh, I loved that. I used to love going up there, up on Lake King Road and getting firewood. <clears throat> I had a three-quarter ton pickup, and I'd load it. And I don't, I mean, I, there was pictures where I had some great big logs. And I can't remember how I even loaded those things. I'd go up there by myself, which is a sin. You should never go. Back in the backcountry by yourself with ever. The with the chainsaw. Yeah. And there's so <laughs> many things that could go wrong. But that's what I did. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I loved splitting wood. I'd cut home midnight, and I would split wood for the next year. Not for that year. Not for that winter. And when I come back home, you know, I go to work, come back, and your mom won't have it all stacked. She loves stacking the wood. I love going and getting it and splitting it. But your mom loves stacking it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we, I didn't know we that. Made, we made a team that way. And, uh, so that's the way it works. You, know? you guys just worked it out. Yeah. Worked it out living in the mountains. Yeah, well, you know. And mom, you didn't let mom work. Mom didn't go to work. Um, or well, she, she tried to work. The girls were born. Oh, yeah, yeah. She had a She'd go clean. She'd clean houses and snow, and snow, 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 snow. But after you girls were, after you were born, 
told her no more. And she goes, why not? And uh, because the life I grew up in, I didn't trust anybody. Yeah. You know, I didn't trust anybody. And, uh, so I said, yeah, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how many jobs I have to have. You're not gonna work. You're not. You're gonna stay here. You're gonna take care of the kids. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to, to provide. Yeah. So that's that was my mindset. You know, it was, it was never really work to me. A lot of people say, "Oh, Mario, you work so hard." I'm like, what? I don't remember working that hard. It was never work to me. It's just you were I just wanted to living so bad that I was willing to do anything, but I never considered it work. In yeah. my mind, I never considered what I did work. I always just considered I'm living. an office job where my dad, you know, my brother's working in a factory, so in Detroit, you know. That's what I consider. It's just, it's just a... Just how you live. Well, yeah. Phys- physical labor, never, never. If it was physical, get out of my way. You know? <laughs> uh, it just never... It never occurred to me that it was work. It was just something. And make a living, yeah. And provide for the family. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, bought the house. You guys built your own houses. Yeah, I built one. Well, that was a funny thing. That's a funny story. <clears throat> Ever since I was a little kid in Detroit, we'd have our little, in, in one of our friend's neighbor's backyard when I was about four or five years old, I remember running these little loaders and dozers over little dirt piles, building roads, you know, just... Just and as an imaginary. Know, yeah, and it was just in my head. But even back then, at four or five years old, I knew I didn't know nothing, right? I mean, uh, disability, you know. But I knew back then that I was going to build my own house. I knew it. Mm-hmm. It was like I came out knowing that. And I don't know why that happened to me. Mm. But I knew from that time that I was going to build my own house. And every year that went by, I was always dreaming about that. I was always thinking about that. I was going to build my own house. You were visualizing. Visualizing a house. I don't know why. I, you know, uh, it was always just for me. Just but in I you. I knew that I was going to build my own house. So when the time came, we bought the property caddy corner from the cabin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the 200 East yeah. State Street. Yeah. Cam's house now. And, uh... The quarry opened up in 1990, and they needed a loader hand, so they called me up. Can you come and run this 988B loader for us? And I'm equipment operator. That's if I could do anything really, really good. If I could, if there's anything I can do as far as work that I'm really, really good at, and it's just natural. I'm an equipment operator. That's just what I do naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else I had to learn, framing, building up, all that. So anyways, I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll figure this out. So, But I went up to the quarry and I saw the loader and I said, well, I'm going to need to run it down the road, make sure I can drive it and, you know, this and that. And we had bought the property there and it was full of uh, trees. It was full of cottonwoods. Cottonwoods, Cotton yeah. So I said, you know, I'm going to run this thing and, and, you know, get the feel for it. And I and I had the, I was halfway down the quarry road and I already knew that I could run the thing. So I took it over, right through town, big old giant loader, and I went over to my lot over there, and, and I started pushing trees. In about 10 minutes, I had the whole area cleared, the lot cleared, and I stacked all these trees up and started crushing them. And, 
And uh, I said, well, screw it, man. I'm gonna. So I dug the foundation. I dug the hole for the foundation. It took me another 15 minutes with this great big giant loader. loader yeah. yeah. So I I went over to the house and your mom says, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, we're gonna build a house. And your mom freaked out. Oh, you got no money. We can't afford that. We got three girls. Or, you know, yeah, actually, you got... actually, it was just you and Rachel. But yeah, Amanda was in the oven though. Yeah, Amanda might have been in the oven and. Uh, I said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to build a house and uh, find the money. You know, get the money. <clears throat> I'll do whatever I have to do to, you know. Make it work. Make it work. So that's when we became a team. Now, your mom was reluctant to be that team, part of that team, because she was <laughs> always sensible. Me, I was always, go for it. Go that's for me. It, go for it. I don't give it. To me, that but so that's what I did. You know, I started... I did dug the foundation, got some boards, started putting the. I knew how to do concrete a little bit, so I got the footers and the same whole building. And then we were able to just nobody would give us a loan up here at that time. This is early nineties. Yeah, yeah, nobody. This is nineteen ninety. Yeah. Nobody would give you a loan for so, anything. So we used credit cards, and we yeah, it was expensive as hell, as far as um, interest. Interest rate, yeah. <laughs> But I, I framed that song again up, and uh, and I re- and I loved it, you know. And I remember Lynn, uh, Bob Donnelly told me this story. He goes, <clears throat> "Yeah, here we were, Mario, Lynn, and I were on our way to church. Lynn Donnelly and I, you know, we were on our way to church, and uh, it was 20, 25 below out. And they said, boy, there ain't gonna be nobody out in this kind of weather. And then we look across the roadway, and there you were working on your house." <laughs> 25 below, <laughs> you know. But Bob got a big kick out of that. <clears throat> There's... And, uh, it was never worked for me. In fact, you know, I'm not a big crier, but uh, it hit me pretty hard when I was. I saw my the pile of my framing package going down as I was building the house and I get into the end, and I was done framing my whole framing package, all the wood was no longer on the ground, it was on the foundation, it was a house. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I, I loved it so much, you know, that uh, I just started, my eyes started, you know, leaking water. <laughs> like mine are right now? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, I, was, I was bawling my eyes out. But you did it. You probably had that realization that you, yeah, your well, childhood that, that, dream, yeah, that and uh, was, it was there. It, it hit me all of a sudden. I started thinking it back when I was a little guy, and I had these dreams over and over and over, and these thoughts that I was gonna build my own house, and all of a sudden, boom, there it was. Yeah, that's why I say, don't wait. I tell you, girls, yeah. don't wait to do something. If you want to do something, do it. Don't freaking wait. It's, it's, you yeah. know, it's, um, oh, well, I can't afford to do this again. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, shit. Oh, I might fail. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You know, especially when you're young, that's when you got to take chances, you know. Yeah. Because you can recover. Yeah. You will recover. Yeah. You know, I did two or three things that totally pissed away money. But I did it, and I don't have to look back and say, man, I wish I would have done that. Yeah. I wish I would have gave it a shot. You don't ever, I don't ever want to hear you girls do that. Yeah. If you want to try something, you 
That's why I'm your biggest cheerleader. Yep. Whatever you want to do, I'm your biggest cheerleader. And, and a lot of other people too. He's he's definitely one of the town cheerleaders. Um, yeah, for anybody. For anybody. Yeah. For just humanity in general. If you yeah, if you want to do something, man. If I'm you have a goal, you got to you got to you got to do it. it. You know, whether you fail or not. Failing is you don't do it. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's basically what Dad's whole lesson when we were kids was: was you, you, you if you don't do try, yeah. you're you gonna fail. you're failed because you didn't put the effort in to try. And that's what I'm hopefully gonna instill in my daughters. I didn't know how to cut a silhouette of a bear out until last year, uh, and I had the saw to do it. I had the ability. No, no did my dad, dad teach me? No, did. Yourself. Did I go online and look at YouTube videos? No, because honestly, there's no YouTube videos out there that will teach you how to cut a marble block. Um, it's something that you have to learn how to do. And I decided to, you know, I was making six fifty an hour as a laborer, busting my ass day in and day out. And they paying these operators, and I was better than most of them. They're paying for twelve or something. I always thought, you know what, if I ever become a boss and I have a good, a great laborer, I'm always going to treat him equal that I would treat one of my carpenters. Yeah. Because I know what it's like to be a great laborer and, and make sure everybody has what they need on a job and make sure that I do a better job than anybody else being a laborer. And if I ever find that guy, I want to treat him like gold. Yeah. I know what it's like to. So what? You're not doing this technical stuff. He can learn. Anybody can learn them. I could have learned any of that stuff that they were doing. They just wouldn't give me a chance because I was a better laborer. Yeah. For for well, that. And they treated me the worst. And I was a better laborer, and they treated me the worst. Yeah. And I will never do that to another human being. If I have a great worker, I'm going to treat him like I would one of my carpenters. Mm-hmm. And I had some really good laborers. Yes. He's had some fantastic people come through his life to help him build uh, lots of cool places. Um, you've actually built a lot of places in town. Uh, I've built a few, not a lot. A few. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I never had to go build out of, yes. out of the area. I, 133 on this way, this way I can. You could find a job. You well, could find people, work. You know, people would call you. But I had a good crew. You know, I'm, I'm Miguel. Yeah, they really Sailor. took care of him. I love my boys, you know. They did. They really helped. They helped yeah. a lot when we were... Yeah, there were times when I would pay them, especially when I was hurt, and they were doing all the work. Mm-hmm. They made more money on the job than I did because that's what I, how strongly I felt about them. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I was hurt and I could, I could do the paperwork and the, you know... Yeah, I, I yeah. I do all that work. But to me, that one isn't as hard as what they were doing. Yeah, they were putting the boards up, making the dream happen for that person. So there were a couple of houses that we built that I didn't make very much money on, but I didn't care because they were helping me. Survive. And I I wanted to take care of them. I wasn't a hoarder. I didn't, oh, I want all the money for myself. I was never about, if I wanted to be rich, I wouldn't live in marble. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have made, I wanted to be comfortable. So I wanted you girls to have everything you needed, not everything you wanted, everything you needed. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I just wanted life to be fun and yeah, easy. Fun and, and uh, he wanted us to laugh 
Oh yeah, I love he making loves making us laugh. Making us laugh. Even <laughs> still, to One this time day. One time we were walking, you, Rachel, and Amanda, and Brian wasn't here yet. We were walking down the river, and uh, it was uh, early, early summer, and we were walking by the deep pool of water, by the river, and we'd always go fishing over there and throw rocks and stuff. I take the girls out there, in between whatever I was doing and. Uh, so I had my sweatpants on and my t-shirt on and you girls were walking behind me and I looked back there at you and I just went running and I dove into one of the pools. I remember this. And I jumped up and I, and I came out of the water and I heard the girls screaming and I thought, oh my God, I scared the crap out of them. You three were laughing so hard. <laughs> Even Amanda was just cracking up. Oh, you know, she was, you know, she was just she little, was but baby. she was pointing at me laughing. And uh, you and Rachel were just cracking up. And that's what I always wanted you to remember. I only remembered my mom and my dad laughing about five or six times together. But I remember those times. I mean, but you know, there were there was the hard times that I remember even more, but yeah. those, the laughing of my mom and dad. And I always thought, you know what? If I ever have kids, I'm gonna make sure they remember the laughing. Yeah. I want you girls to remember that the good time, you know, I don't want you to remember anything bad. Yeah. As you probably will, but I don't want you to. I'd rather, <laughs> rather you remember the great time. Well, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that, that's why I say, well, don't spank your kids. Cause, yeah, you don't spank your kids. They remember that. Yeah. I'll never forget, you were nine or ten years old. And uh, I was having a sleepover. Yeah, and you had like nine or ten. I had nine or ten girls, girls over. over. Yeah. And, um, I, will, I just happened to walk by the bedroom, your bedroom, and there were all these little girls in there. And I heard you say, oh, if I ever said that, my dad would kill me. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? So I went to your mom and I said, what, who, when was the last time I spanked that morning? Oh, she was about three years old. That was, a, you just gave her a few taps. Well, she just told the little girl that I'd kill her. She, and I was like, that's not what I wanted you to remember or think of me as being a, a sorry bastard like that. I didn't want you to think that. And I don't think I've ever, re I don't f remember you ever physically hitting me. Well, I, I think I remember more being scared probably from well, it. My, my job was to. Your job was to. to uh, make sure you guys didn't get out of line because you were. I was. Otherwise, you'd run all over your mom. I was evil and, uh, to my but mom. Your mom and I, we had a deal. I mean, and, I, and it yeah. was an unwritten rule, but it was a rule that I was the disciplinarian and she... She was the comforter. Yeah, so whenever you girls would do something and you, you know, mom would tell me. And so I just mostly just give you a look, snap my finger, point at you, and you go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Bust in the tears. And, uh, and, uh, it's true. So, that, but, so, and then I'd say, all right, now go to your mama. And I would say it like my dad, my dad would tell Go to your mama. <laughs> I'd my deep voice the coolest one of the coolest things and uh, it, it wasn't because I was a great dad or anything is when we would I was you know I had some extra money so we'd go to this restaurant in Glenwood and it was just you and Rachel at first and uh, we'd go in there and you girls were always good and these people loved you you know and they wanted the waitresses they got to know us and they wanted to take care of us because they loved you girls because you girls were not brats yeah. And um, one day, and it just happened. I mean, it just happened by accident. One day we went in there, and there was these kids 
raising all kinds of hell at their table, you know. And I looked over at Rachel. I said, Rachel, look at this. And you were there and you, what? I said, look, look at those poor parents. Look what those kids are doing to those poor parents. And not two weeks we go back there and one of you, you said, Dad. And I said, what? Look, look at those, look what those kids are doing to those poor parents. I said, no, I know, it's terrible. They're acting like such brats, those poor parents. And after that, I mean, I used that to Amanda. I did that to Amanda. Amanda, look what those kids are doing to those poor parents. Oh, wow, Dad. <laughs> so, I mean, you girls were always good. And, uh, so I, he that, always... that was one of the lessons that I learned just by accident. You know, that, that you, you guys suck stuff up like you were sponges. You absorb that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You absorb that kind of energy. The positive energies. You know, yeah. They, there was no beat in your head. No, there was no none. You were throwing no. your time out. Oh, no. I remember I'd get after you verbally. Don't do that again. And then you'd be <laughs> crying. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, uh, then you'd come out of your room. I'm not hungry. I said, get out of here. We're going to eat dinner. You, y'all. <laughs> you'd We'd come, come out come reluctantly. We couldn't eat. be busted up. <laughs> they were trying not to laugh, oh, but we, we'd be. We were laughing. Oh, oh, one time you got in trouble at school, and uh, I come home from work, and Mom said, oh, we well, got in trouble. So I said, oh, what'd she do? And she told me, I forget what it was. So I had to play the dad role. Monique, I can't believe you did that. Oh, my God, what are you thinking? Why did you do that? And yeah, and, uh, <laughs> so then I come out of your room, and, and I'm laughing. And your mom's like, why? Didn't you just get after her? I said, yeah. Why'd you, why are you laughing? Because that wasn't shit compared to what I did. <laughs> if, we, if that's the worst that happens, we're in good shape. We're in good shape. <laughs> I forget what it was, and your mom started cracking up. Oh, yeah, I mean, we weren't bad kids. We didn't really have any reason to not be bad, to be bad kids. There was no, nothing we could really get in trouble with up here. I mean, you had to try real hard to get in trouble up here um, if you weren't with your parents. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it was, uh, it's, it's Marble Life. Yeah, Super cool. Yeah, so that's Dad's, a little bit of Dad's story and how he got here and how I got here. It's fun. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. We'll have to do this again soon. A run down, a run down memory lane, huh? Yeah, you brought back a lot of a lot of memories. We didn't talk about the mudslide. Yeah, we didn't talk about yeah, that huge mudslide. Yeah, that was a big one. That was uh, that was worse than we've ever had. And, uh, yeah, that was the worst one marbles had since the '40s, I think. Yeah. Because that one. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't here. Was I'm deep. From the time well, yeah, was, from the time you got here. That was the worst one that I ever seen. I seen these these other ones, but they were babies compared to that. Yeah, that one was. It was deep. It was huge, yeah. but they were both carpeted and slate. Oh, they both ran. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's insane. We'll save that for another time. Yeah, another time. But anyways, yes, Dad has lots of history here in Marble, and I hope you guys had a good time listening, and um, I'll continue Marble Moe's adventures with my dad here as soon as I edit this and find out what the response is. We've got, we haven't even tapped into dad's musical life. Dad has many personalities. And I I get that too. I have one personality. Okay, one personality, but many talents. Many talents. 
Um, and I think I get a lot of that from him as well. I have many talents and um, it's hard to manage them because you want to do everything all at once. But dad's done a good job at ba balancing what he loves to do with what he had to do to make a living. Well, yeah. The marble, making you know marble products, or doing the jeep tours, had a job, and I was helping people build. You know, so I mean, I had four jobs going at one time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell some of these young guys: diversify, learn everything you can, do everything you can. You know, if, I mean, if you're in school and you got one thing, fine, do that one thing. But if you're like me and, and you're you know just a laborer, basically, just, you can do it. You can diversify. You've done a lot of different things. And before you know it, you have a little money here, a little money there, a little money. And before you know it, you're like, wow, I, I built my first house. Yeah. Yep. And you don't even realize it, especially yep. if you're working for yourself. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Dad. You're welcome, baby. All right. Love you. Love you, too. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a great day.